Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Punt Intended, a fantasy NBA dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Rhett Bauer, joined as always by my co-host, Travis Fuller. And I am thrilled to be able to watch basketball again every day. Uh, For those of you in your dynasty leagues, your redraft leagues, best of luck to all of you this season from the Punt Intended podcast. Except those of you in the 30 team, because I... I'm, I'm rebuilding. I don't actually care if you win. That would help me out with uh, trying to get a better pick. So today we are going to talk about the Houston Rockets with a really, really big guest, Roosh Williams. But first, we had a bunch of extensions, and so we're going to talk about those for a little bit. First and foremost, Jaron Jackson Jr. getting extended for four years, $109 million. I thought he might get a max. I think this was a great deal for both sides, and it solidifies him in Memphis going forward. Uh, to a big extent. Yeah, you said it. Great deal for both sides. Uh, the potential that this man has uh, on this team, I think, is is definitely shown in the four-year commitment that they made. But at the same time, he does still have a little bit of injury issue in the past, as well as a little bit of issue with fouls on the defensive end. So um, a little small concerns there, but the talent he has, they had to lock him up. And I think this is a win-win for both the team and the player. And there was nobody behind him that people were going to be hyping up, hoping that Jaron Jackson Jr. goes else, elsewhere. You Santi Aldama fans, I guess this hurts you. Uh, kind of Brandon Clark, I guess a little bit. But we knew Jaron Jackson was staying put. So this should not be a big impact on anybody's fantasy value moving forward. Next, Malcolm Brogdon, my point guard of the future, apparently. He got two for 45 on the back end of his deal. So he's under contract until 2024-25. And it's a flat deal, $22.5 million the rest of the way. What do you think about this deal? I think it signals that uh, they don't care about Ben Simmons anymore. <laughs> they, yep. gave him the, they gave him an offer. They declined. They said, okay, we're going to keep our player because you know what? He's good and we like him too. And this is, this is great for him. He's a really good fit with this Pacers team. And you know more than anybody, uh, no big names are really going to come play for the Indiana Pacers. They're not no. going to be able to recruit a superstar to come play for this team. So they need to lock down their really, really good players that they have now. And giving Brogdon two for 45 does that. It lines him up perfectly with Rick Carlisle's contract as well, which is a little bit interesting. But I like to think that Kevin Pritchard had this extension and put it out there just to like stick it to Daryl Morey, be like, hey, stop (laughs) using us as your trading post. They're trying to set the bar with Malcolm Brogdon, Karis LeVert, four firsts and a firstborn. Like that's, I I like to think that. I don't think that's actually what happened, but I I really enjoy it because Brogdon cannot be traded for six months and six months from now is after the trade deadline. So he can't be traded until next off season, which if Ben Simmons is still on the Sixers next off season, then holy cow, I don't know what to think about that. But moving on next deal, Kevin Herter. 
got four for 65. And I wasn't sure if there would be an extension for Herter because he showed some things in the playoffs. They needed him a lot. And I didn't know if he would want to test the market in restricted free agency this summer, but got locked down for about 15, 16 million as it escalates up. So what do you think about this besides the fact that you're a Cam Reddish owner? <laughs> no, and it's, that's exactly it. This deal really is going to have a lot of ripple effects uh, for the rest of that wing rotation currently. Um, you know, we, we talked about it just before this podcast that Cam Reddish is coming in his third year. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, this is his third year as well. So both of those guys are going to be looking and wanting extensions as well. And I don't think they're going to be able to pay all three guys. And it doesn't make sense to pay all three guys. So good that they locked in Herter. I think he's a, just a really solid player. Um, I thought he was going to get closer to Duncan Robinson money, which was right around that 18 million a year. Uh, so for him to, for them to lock him down for a little bit less than that uh, is kudos for the Hawks. And you really got to like the direction that team is heading. Without a doubt. It will be interesting to see what happens with guys like Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter, because while they do have, they pretty much have their starting lineup solidified, right? They've got Trey Young, massive extension. John Collins, massive extension. Clint Capella got extended. They've got Bogdanovich for $18 million until 2023-24. He's a player option, but I'm pretty sure he's going to pick that up. And now DeAndre Hunter is the most likely candidate to fill in that three spot. So Herter gets that money to come off the bench, most likely. And Gallinari does come off the books in time for Hunter or Reddish to be paid. But I'm not sure the team would pay both of them. So look out for that. It's going to be very, very interesting. We were trying to get Cam Reddish on a different team during the draft. Obviously didn't happen. So hopefully both players can show something this year, both Reddish and Hunter in terms of staying on the court and then production on the court to try and boost that value and get them in a situation that makes way more sense for how good we think they can be. Next up, Daniel Gafford got three years, 40 million for the Washington Wizards. And this is not great for you, Thomas Bryant owners, because Travis and I, we've kind of been talking about anytime Thomas Bryant comes up, it's like, he's not actually good. He's decent for fantasy, but he's not actually good. He's just atrocious defensively. And Gafford is good. And apparently they believe in him enough, according to the Shams tweet, to be a starter in this league. So you've got to be pretty excited about that if you're a Daniel Gafford owner who held on after the close of last year. Yeah, amazing for this guy who was kind of just an afterthought, a second-round pick by the Bulls. They traded him away to get some wing depth and all of a sudden the Wizards start playing him and realize, oh, this guy can play a little bit and he does exactly what they need him to do on the defensive end. I don't think it's terrible news for Thomas Bryant owners. It does show their faith in Gafford now moving forward. Um, I, I feel like that that five spot's going to be split once Bryant returns and, and if he can return and stay healthy. That'll be the biggest thing. I, I think it's just a play to it's a great contract for Gafford. They're not paying him a ton of money. Thomas Bryant's on a a smaller contract as well. So those guys should split some time and, and this gaffer just gives them insurance as well uh, to play not only at the uh, end of games defensively, but just ensure that Thomas Bryant can take his time to get healthy. It's really interesting seeing this deal and then seeing Wendell Carter Jr. and Robert Williams' deals because they're very, very similar. And I would not have guessed that Daniel Gafford would be in that conversation, but 
you say it doesn't affect Thomas Bryant, and maybe it doesn't. He's his health is gonna affect anything, but he is a free agent after next year, so he could be on a different team anyway. So this may not be that big of a deal for him, but it's just something to look out for. Just see what he looks like coming back healthy. Another big J Val Jonas Valanciunas got extended by the Pelicans because David Griffin can't not extend traditional bigs that don't fit super great with Zion before they've even played a game because this is two summers in a row that they've extended. But this time it's at least for less money because J Val got two for 30 on the back end of his deal, which we were talking before we started recording, is not terrible for him. But what in the world are the Pelicans doing, man? This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, this is news for us today. Uh, the ink is still fresh as of this recording. I We immediately were just like, well, this is great for J-Val's fantasy value. That's the first thing that I thought of as well. For those of you that that own J Val, you really have to like that because that was my concern with him. He's a great, great per game player, always has great production wherever he's at. But is a team going to invest in him as a starter and give him that 28 to 30 minutes that he needs? I wasn't sure. But uh, obviously, the Pelicans believe in him as the five. We both think it's pretty poor move. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. We don't know yet. We haven't seen him play a game with a healthy Zion yet. Uh, but we've seen this before and that was because they did it before yeah they traded firsts to get off of a deal exactly like this it was 10 million dollars less and j val is better than steven adams just as a general player but what are we doing this hurts jackson hayes i thought jackson hayes could contend for a starting job this year not once they got j val it was more with steven adams in that regard but jackson hayes value is going down because they apparently want j val but we also saw that they don't have the best judgment when it comes to these bigs playing next to Zion. So they could very easily move back seven spots next year too, to try and get off J Val's deal. And then we'll just do this whole circus again. But yeah, it's kind of a bummer for Jackson Hayes owners, but ultimately he, he should still get a decent amount of minutes because J Val typically hangs around that 27, 28 minute mark. A couple other extensions, a couple guards, Landry Shamit got four for 43, and Grayson Allen got two for 17 with some incentives in there. Shamit's deal, when it first got announced, I did not understand at all because that's a whole lot of money for a guy who, again, hasn't really played for the Phoenix Suns. And then it comes out that his third and fourth years are guaranteed, so it's basically the same deal that Grayson Allen got. But either of those guys worth like $10 million a year? I guess in this league, they are uh, the ability to shoot the three ball. We've seen it in the past, and it's going to continue that way. Those guys that can shoot the ball uh, will get money. So that's kind of the way it's been, and both those guys have proven to to be knockdown shooters when and kind of that role player when they're given the opportunity. So um, good for both these players. I think it's great deals for the, the players. I'm not sure how to think of what I think of these guys, Um, not just these guys, but the way the direction the league is, is in terms of where the money is being allocated, um, taking it away from bigs, giving it more so to shooters, even though they're mediocre players. Uh, But we'll see. That just seems to be the trend 
and it good for both these guys. And as far as their dynasty value, I don't think it changes much, um, but it's, it's good for them. Grayson Allen getting extended while Dante DiVincenzo did not is pretty interesting to me because I think DiVincenzo is flat out better, but he's also hurt right now. So I'm, I'm curious what the conversations were there. I'm expecting that DiVincenzo wanted more than the two for 17. And so they just went ahead and locked down Grayson Allen. But, I, I would say he'd want a little bit more than, than that. Yeah, but like, but all, <laughs> is he getting, is he getting hurt or money? Is he getting four for 65? No, I don't think no. he's going to get that. I, I don't think so. Definitely a middle ground though. Like four for 48, I guess would probably be yep. decently enough for DD. So it'll be interesting to see what he gets in restricted free agency, because I don't think that the bucks can afford to let him go. Moving on to guys that did not get extended that are kind of a big deal. You may have heard that Deandre Ayton did not get extended because he wanted a max and Travis and I are in agreement that we think this is the right way to hit. Like, of course you're going to LOL sons because they've just got a history of being a confusing organization, but I, we think this is the right way to go about it. Yeah, it may ruffle a few feathers as far as Aiton Camp goes, but it is the right way. We saw it with John Collins last year. That worked out really well for the Hawks, and it's going to be uh, – I think the story is going to play out similar for DeAndre Aiton. He's going to eventually get his money. I just don't know if he's a max player. We'll find out next year if any team values him in that way. I just don't see it unless he comes out and has a, a huge year, which the motivation is there. It should have already been there. But if you've ever watched Dayton play, motivation is a key factor for him. Uh, sometimes he can have long stretches of just being non-existent on that team. Um, so hopefully he is motivated 30 minutes every game uh, for 80, 82 games. But we'll see. It's, it's good to have the motivation for him at, at the very least. And I actually think he's going to have a really, really good season. I think he's in for a big season in his third year. And while everybody is giving the Suns a hard time for not maxing out the player that they took over Luka Doncic, the Kings said, no, wait, hold my beer, and decided to remove Marvin Bagley from their opening night rotation after they also did not extend him. And so I'm not surprised Marvin Bagley didn't get extended. It doesn't seem like the Kings care about him at all, and that was proven by taking him out of the rotation. An interesting part about this that Twitter has been all over is that Marvin Bagley has a incentive in his deal where if he doesn't start 41 games for the Kings, his qualifying offer goes from like 12.5 million down to 7 million, which could matter quite a lot. I don't know if it's 12 mil, but I know it goes down to like seven. So it seems like they might be pulling some shenanigans right there, but what are we thinking about Bagley not getting extended? Uh, this is, this is the end of, of Bagley as far as in, in Sacramento goes. When I first saw that news, I thought, okay, he's not going to start. I thought he might be able to, to get a starting spot, but he's not going to start. And then all of a sudden, I, I read it again, and I said, oh, wait, out of the rotation. Like, not That's what Travis said. It's like, wait, is he just not starting? Like, no, 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 he's not playing. <laughs> he is just out, out. So uh, that's tough for his dynasty value. I think you still have to hold him, though, if you own him. There's not a whole lot you can do, but he will not be on the Kings. I can't see him on the Kings next year whatsoever. He's He's gone. They'll find a spot. His agent's already making a, a lot of noise already, just stopping just short of demanding a trade. So that'll eventually come. So if you have Bagley, you got to hold on to him and see what the future holds. A couple other guys. Colin Sexton did not get extended, which is not a surprise to me at all because he probably wanted a max and I would have laughed at him. And then Miles Bridges 
didn't get extended. He probably wanted what his brother got in four for 90, which also is not worth it because he just doesn't have the sample size of doing what he did last year to warrant getting that much money. Do you have any thoughts on either of those guys? Uh, we knew we knew Sexton wasn't going to get extended uh, after the trade rumors. We know that sex land backcourt is eventually going to have to get broken up. Maybe that's as soon as next season. Who knows? Uh, Miles Bridges, it's kind of a, a show me this year. He ended the season fa- like really well. We And he's a, a player I love this year. But I think they want to see it for a full season and make sure those improvements he made last year translate into this season as well. And then he will eventually get that money because they have a really, really good up-and-coming core there in Charlotte, and he's going to be a part of that. Absolutely. That, Colin Sexton, I, you guys know how I feel about Colin Sexton as a fantasy player, and that translates to real life. I'm trying to watch him more this year to open my eyes to maybe see if I'm missing something. I don't think I am, but I, I want to see because he wanted money as if he's a primary option. And I don't think he is because I just don't think he, he warrants that much usage. So it'll be interesting to see what he does this year, what Cleveland does with him and Garland, and then what Sexton gets next year. So maybe they'll, maybe they'll pull a buddy healed and have his name in the trade rumors all year. And all of a sudden just give him a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if, if Collins, like Collins section should probably get like $20 million a year. Don't you think? Yeah. Easily. Yeah. But not, I think not like the 28, like, would you rather have him or Brogdon for 22 and a half million? Oh, give me Brogdon. He's a, just a much better player overall, and I think he's more useful. But yeah, Saxon's still really good. He can really score, and, and teams need what he can bring. I just don't think he's going to be option 1A on any team. No, or it's- 1B, or 2C. Or <laughs> okay, <laughs> 2C. 2C was aggressive. That's way too many options. I don't he's think he's the second option either. Yeah. He, yeah, he's working on it. I don't, I don't know. It's fine. Let's move on and talk about some Houston Rockets. We are here to talk about the Houston Rockets, and we are ecstatic to be joined by Roosh Williams from the Noble and Roosh show on Ball is Life. Roosh, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing fantastic. I'm excited to be here, so thanks for having me. Uh, always love to talk a little bit of Rockets and the season starting, so let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we had to get a big name on here to talk about the Houston Rockets because we are a dynasty podcast, and the Rockets just have way too many guys that matter to to all of you some that matter more to you than they do to Travis and I so what does this rotation look like like what should we be expecting as fantasy managers dynasty managers like what is this team going to be I would expect the possibility of inconsistency unfortunately that's not necessarily the best news for anyone that has these players on their team you know we don't even really know the full rotation I don't think Steven Silas has has released it the best look at a potential actual starting lineup for the Rockets that we saw was in the first preseason game of the season. They started Daniel Tice at the five, Christian Wood at the four, Eric Gordon uh, as like a tweener kind of three, Jalen Green at the two, and Kevin Porter Jr. at the one. I think Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, and uh, Christian Wood are locks for the starting lineup. I also think Eric Gordon is going to be a lock for the starting lineup unless they use Jay Sean Tate. Um, but I'm starting to wonder, I would be surprised if they bench Daniel Tice because he's the veteran. He was their only actual offseason acquisition. And I think that they're theorizing that Daniel Tice next to Christian Wood is like a good compliment as far as, you know, like the hard nosed defensive guy that does the little things, gets the box outs, the clear outs. But that being said, uh, the fan base, and I'm pretty sure the internal folks within the Rockets are all very excited about Alperin Shingun. And from my perspective, just watching the games, 
things seem to click better with Shangun next to Wood versus Tice next to Wood because Daniel Tice uh, next to Christian Wood has to hit threes and he can't really do that. And he didn't hit a single three in the preseason. Um, but if Daniel Tice starts, he could be an under the radar kind of like late pick that can give you a solid like 10 and eight um, on decent field goal on actually probably pretty good field goal percentage and uh, maybe a block and change here or there. That kind of, you know, that kind of pick. There's not much upside in my opinion for Daniel Tice, but if you're just looking for like a stabilizer that you can kind of depend on, he could be that assuming he is the starter that gets the bulk of the minutes. But like I said, Alperin Shangun is someone to watch for sure. Um, and that's why I say incons inconsistency because a guy like Shangun can come in, probably give you deal decent field goal percentage, get some blocks sneakily. He can block shots. Um, in the preseason, he averaged 10 points, eight boards a game, two and a half assists per game, and a block and a half per game in just 18 and a half minutes per game. Um, he shot, I think, 72% from the free throw line. I think he took 18 attempts, so four and a half attempts per game, again, in just 18 and a half minutes. Um, he shot, like I said, 72% from the free throw line. I think he was 13 of 18, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going off the top of my head. But he was one of four in the first game against the Wizards, and he was 12 of 14 after that, which I think is 86%. So another sneaky pick there. But that's what I see the rotation as being, or the starting rotation. I'm thinking Tice, Wood, Gordon, Green, and KPJ, at least to start out. Maybe Shangun eventually overtakes Tice in the starting spot. And maybe they rock with Jay Sean Tate over Eric Gordon at the three, but the lineup is so desperately in need of spacing and shooting and point of attack defense, which Jay Sean Tate can give you, but I think Eric Gordon can probably give you better in terms of guarding the guards. So I think they're going to go with Gordon also because he's the veteran and also because you would imagine they might want to trade him at some point. And so playing him gives him more exposure, more time to kind of get his stats up and increase his value. Yeah, so it sounds like a lot of last year as far as the, how the lineup's going to be could potentially guys in and out of the starting lineup, minutes changing around as the season goes on. Uh, one player I do want to talk a little bit more about, and it's it's mainly because I, I personally don't really know what to think of this guy, and that is Jay Shante. Obviously, undrafted rookie. He is 25, which is kind of getting to that point where he's starting to, to come into his prime, but he's also a rookie at the same time. Got almost 30 minutes a game last year. From a dynasty perspective, great in steals, great field goal percentage. Um, it just kind of has a nice all-around game. How do you see him this year uh, moving forward to the future? Is he a player that you think is going to be a part of this Rockets core moving forward or somebody that's just kind of filling a gap right now until the Rockets can get better? You know, unfortunately, there's not a clear-cut answer. I think he's potentially both. I think he's definitely someone the Rockets want to build on as a part of their core. Uh, he's got a lot of those like Draymond-type qualities, right? May not His contributions may not always show in the stat sheet, but his basketball IQ – and his defensive IQ is just so elite and high that he makes things happen for other players on the court. And he really knows how to use his strengths. He knows how to use his, his physical strength um, offensively, defensively, and all that. So he's a, he's a key piece, I think, that they view him as, especially because he's on a team-friendly deal. But at the same time, if the Rockets decide to kind of shift gears and make a splash, he's the type of person I could see that could be maybe not the centerpiece of a deal, but um, if the Rockets are, are sending an expiring, let's say they're, they're sending an expiring John Wall next season or they're sending him, you know, Eric Gordon this season or some, some kind of deal where they're sending an inflated contract and they need to attach one of their assets in order for the receiving team to take that contract on and make the trade and give up whatever they're giving up. I could see Jay Sean Tate being a guy in that type of deal. I will say last season, um, he, with all the injuries and all of the, the, you know, the lineup, the rotation itself was a turnstall, right? People just coming in and out. And Jay Sean Tate was like a stabilizing force in that lineup. This season, 
They have added, obviously, Jalen Green. They have removed John Wall from the lineup explicitly. Um, and they have also added Alperin Shangun. And Christian Wood is kind of playing a different style of basketball to where he's handling the ball a lot, bringing the ball up a lot, getting it on the wing and working with the, with the ball kind of like a wing player would. And the reason I bring all that up is that these additions have kind of, from what I've seen in just three preseason games, because I think Tate missed um, one of the preseason games. So small sample size. But from what I've seen, he looks a little out of place next to a bunch of guys that are creating. His, his value last season offensively was his ability to kind of create as like a point forward. And, you know, sometimes he could get in there and use his, his good footwork to, to get a post-up bucket or whatever. But now with all the additional playmaking in Eric Gordon's back, presumably, so Eric Gordon was gone last season. So that's another guy that needs the ball in his hands. So Tate's been kind of out of sorts. Um, against the Spurs on Friday, he had four points, four boards, two dimes on just one of five from the field, 0 of two shooting. He started the game, but again, Eric Gordon didn't play. Um, and that's kind of like what we saw from him. He had a, a decent game, I think, against Toronto, 10 points and four boards and one dime on five of seven. And that was his best preseason performance. So kind of an up and down guy. Um, and I don't know exactly what his role is going to be, given that the Rockets have presumably higher end talent that they're trying to develop with Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood. So. It's going to be interesting to me because it seems like Josh Christopher might be the future at that three spot. And so real quick, I, I will respectfully disagree. I don't think Josh Chris is going to be a three. I think he's going to be an undersized two okay. or a tweener one. Um, it's for him. It's all about his shot, man. His, he can't really shoot that well from three. If he can get the three ball, maybe he could run on the wing and be that kind of player. Um, but I think he's going to struggle for a little bit at least. And I, I would not expect Josh Christopher to get playing time early unless I think Josh Christopher will get playing time if, you know, things start – if they have the type of season where they start out getting smacked, you know, and they're just getting whooped game in and game out, and then they start making the decisions to, you know, trade Eric Gordon, trade Daniel House, full-on youth movement, that that type of thing. Then I would expect Josh Christopher to get minutes, but until then I would not um, expect him to get anything other than, like, inconsistent garbage time type minutes. It'll be interesting to see how that – rotation gets balanced and I'm, I'm not surprised at all that it'll be inconsistent because that's just kind of what you get with teams like this that are just trying to do a bunch of stuff so is there somebody that's going to be surprising this year for the Rockets either in a good way or a bad way will will Christian Wood be able to do what he did last year he only played 41 games but he was really freaking good and then like, in a negative way like is there anybody that will be um, disappointing for for dynasty managers so a surprise, this is probably the easy pick, but um, I think it's Shingun. I mean, he's the one guy that the only thing holding him back is whether or not he gets in the game. When he gets in the game, he produces. Um, he started one preseason game and was 15, had 15 and 12 uh, against the Spurs, you know. And, and so when, when he gets the chance to play, his numbers project really well. Like I said, 10 and 8, uh, two and a half dimes, block and a half in 18 and a half minutes. So that's like you know, just do the math on if he, if he actually gets real playing time. Um, so I think it's Shingun, uh, someone who's going to surprise. I don't think there's anyone to surprise primary. You know what? And this is a really random pick and not someone I would necessarily endorse for fantasy, but just from a substantive basketball perspective, uh, DJ Augustine will probably have a decent, a decent year as like a backup point guard dynasty wise, probably not what you want to go for i would imagine <laughs> but uh but just from a basketball perspective he'll be like their stabilizing backup point guard everything else is up in the air maybe david nuaba you know becomes like their key hustle guy off the bench he will be but 
in terms of fantasy production, like I, you know, I, I just don't see much upside with Nuaba and it, and it will be inconsistent. Christian Wood, I think will do what he did last season. Um, one thing that was interesting is there are games where he's, he's actually racking up a few assists. That's probably going to depend primarily, maybe exclusively on uh, whether or not the Rockets are able to hit three pointers. Um, but if the Rockets can hit, like, basically you're going to have Jalen Green and Eric Gordon out there. Um, and last season, the Rockets did not have that. So there might be options. The potential's there. They have shooters, so maybe he can rack up a few more assists, especially when he draws attention. The big problem with Christian Wood is free throw shooting. I think he shot 36% in the preseason, like 9 of 25, 9 of 26, something like that. So he needs to improve that if he can. I think he's going to be a double-double force. But like I said, he's playing like a wing, which is kind of weird to see. And some, some talks came out about how he doesn't really want to play pick and roll which is unfortunate because he can dominate if he combines his wing ability with the pick and roll game. But um, there might be some inefficient nights from him relative to last season. His three ball hasn't come around yet, but it's still very, very early. So, you know, take that for what it is. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he'll produce. I will say my gut tells me Christian Wood won't be on the Rockets within the next year, but that's just my gut. Uh, he doesn't really fit the timeline of their rebuild, and they're gonna, he's going to be due for an extension soon. And so the Rockets have to decide if they want to be the team to extend them or if they want to try to extract max value. So, so look out for that. Um, and then a disappointing player. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who you have high expectations for, uh, for them to even disappoint you to begin with. But I would say, <laughs> I would say it's going to be either K uh, Kevin Porter Jr. or Jalen Green, simply because they're going to be inefficient. KPJ shot, I want to say 38% from three in the preseason, but that was kind of largely boosted by one game where he was five of 10. Um, so I think he's going to be inefficient and he's adjusting to a new position. So he's a point guard and this is his first time playing full-time point guard. And you can tell that he's not there yet. And he's got some, there's a learning curve for him at that position in terms of getting his feel. Once he pieces it together, I think he's going to be dangerous. He hasn't yet figured out that he needs to just take the pick and then make his move quickly and go downhill. He's still kind of dancing and doing step backs. So he's missing shots and will be inefficient as a result. For example, against the Spurs, he, uh, took him 20 shots to score 16 points. Right. But he's also going to start getting some assists and, and board. So if you have, if he's like available, maybe lower in a league and you don't mind kind of riding the inefficiency wave until he figures it out, obviously Kevin Porter jr. Is a pick, but he he'll probably disappoint for the first half of this season, in my opinion. Um, and Jalen green has also shown some difficulty adjusting to the game, not in any way that's like alarming in terms of being a bust or anything. So I guess this is dynasty, but I'm just talking about the immediate first half of this season. Uh, he's going to be inefficient. His three ball hasn't come around in the preseason. Um, he shot 23%, I think, from three. And he's shown some ability, some some uh, difficulty adjusting, like I said, to like contact at the rim. You know, he met Bam Adebayo at the rim a couple times and was surprised, even though he got the first step, he still got blocked. But I will say he had his best game of the preseason against Miami when he was being guarded by Jimmy Butler and when he was being guarded by Bam Adebayo on like, you know, picks and switches. So that's something to look out, look out for. I think he was six of 15, four of nine from three in that game for 20 points and really kind of showed flashes of, of the reason that he was picked number two. So, um, but yeah, I mean, anyone else that I can see off the Rockets bench, it's just going to be inconsistent. So there's not even, for me, there's not even an expectation. Like I'm expecting their bench to basically be um, either Shen, probably to start off Shingun, Daniel House, David Nwaba, DJ Augustine, and then that fifth person is up in the air. You know, maybe it's Armani Brooks. Actually, 
that might be a, 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 an under the radar pick. Armani Brooks for just some three point shooting. If he gets playing time, though, it's it's really a question of if he gets playing time. And that's the thing that I don't know. He might be that 10th guy. If he is that 10th guy, he could be someone to look out for. But if he's not, then obviously he's not going to be in the rotation. I don't think KJ Martin's going to play a lot, um, at least not to start out. Maybe if they go full youth movement. I'm expecting Garuba to be to start off in the G League. And I'm expecting Josh Christopher to either start off in the G League or at the end of the 15 man, you know, so. So I just don't think there's much in terms of expectations. House is going to be up and down. I'd stay away from house. Like I said, maybe Nwaba can give you like some random, you know, three or five games where he gets like eight points and some steals and a couple of rebounds, if that's worth anything to you. DJ Augustine will probably have like a, a decent three-point shooting season, but he's not going to score and he has no value moving forward. You know, it's, I mean, Shangun and maybe Tice, like it's, I don't know. It's, it's really that, I think. Well, I'm glad we're not the only one that's that's somewhat fading KPJ, at least early in his career, because me and Rhett have been off that hype train uh, this season and his his ADP. Everything's just on the rise. Uh, the hype train for KPJ is just unreal. Can, right can now. you tell me can you tell me why you're off him? It's more about where he's it's, going than him as a yeah, player. Like exactly. he's going insanely, insanely high relative to what we think he provides as a fantasy player because of the inefficiencies, like you said, and the turnovers that he has. There, he's going in like the 60s for a dynasty startup. So he's going around like the uh, D'Angelo Russells. He like if you're going for win now, he's going around the LeBrons, the Malcolm Brogdons, like all of that. Like guys who are decently efficient who maybe don't have the upside that KPJ does, but like you have to be quite patient with KPJ to, to wait till he figures that inefficiency out. And maybe this is the year where the point guard in him coming out knocks down those turnovers, increases the efficiency because of him trying to be more selective with that shot, like you said. He just hasn't looked comfortable as a point guard. Yeah, I mean, I would still stay away. I'm still kind of wary. I'm, I'm believe, I believe in his talent. I don't believe in the fact that it's going to be achieved like now or this year, maybe towards the end of the year, it'll be up and down. It'll basically be a contrast between his preseason game against Washington and his preseason game against the Spurs, right? Against Washington. I think I'm going off the top of my head, but I think he was nine of 16 for 25 points, five dimes, four boards, five of 10 from three. Excellent game against the Spurs, six of 20, 16 points, four dimes, three boards, one of five from three. So like, you're going to get those two, those two types of games. And I think his assist to turnover ratio in uh, the preseason was like four dimes to three turnovers. So going to be tough. And he's, he, he's only 21. So he has, you know, plenty of time to improve. Um, and I think he'll get there, but, but yeah, that's the pick for like a couple years down the road. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think what a lot of uh, fantasy owners are banking on is, is that three to five year window towards the future. Uh, we've talked about a, a lot of players, but I want to get your take on some of these really young guys. Um, Rhett, it's, it's crazy to me. I don't know what, what you've been seeing, but there's almost more hype and more excitement about Shingun than there is Jalen Green, their number two overall pick, at least around dynasty circles for me. It's just unreal, the hype that Shingun has right now. And it's, it's really warranted with what he's brought to the table, what he's shown so far in his very short NBA career. So um, let's talk a little bit about some of these other guys, some of the young players. You mentioned Christopher. You say you, you think he's going to start in the G League this year? I think he's either going to start in the G League or he's just going to be at the end of the 15, man. I think maybe maybe the G League is too uh, hyperbolic because he's worthy of being on the 15, man, because their 15, man, is pretty thin to begin with. But I think they're going to want him to get the reps and therefore 
we'll put him in the G League. I think Josh Christopher is going to take a while. Um, I, th- I think people that are thinking he's going to come in and be that guy right now haven't watched the preseason. He's like, he's got some juice, but he's very raw. Like he, he was a downhill too, you know, and he's not that in the NBA. He's trying to adjust and he, you could tell he doesn't have the vision yet, but they need, they need him handling the ball. So he's got to have some type of vision and he doesn't have the vision in the shot, you know? So he's, he's got to, he's got to develop that before he can compete at the NBA level. I think maybe I'm wrong, but um, he's definitely inefficient and we'll turn it over. It seems like the Rockets have plenty of time for him to develop. So at least in that case, it's uh it's kind of optimistic there. So you said Garuba G league. Just because the, he needs to develop. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, like, so like, let's run it down, right? We did the starting lineup. So then the bench that's available, Garuba, KJ, House, Nwaba, yeah. Augustine, Armani Brooks, Josh Christopher, uh, Eric Gordon, Daniel Tice. Yeah, I mean, what? And it's crazy Josh- that all these all these guys, you mentioned Augustine not having a, much of a, you know, might not have much of a following, much ownership, but we do have some 30-team leagues, and we're me and Red are a part of a 30-team league where literally all these guys are owned. And it's really? it's crazy, yeah. You'd be surprised. Uh, there, oh yeah, DJ Augustine's value. been owned for ever since the draft. Oh, you know what? You know what? Um, they just the Rockets just picked up Garrison Matthews, um, and you know if Garrison Matthews is playing heavy minutes on your team, you're probably not very good. But um, <laughs> very very true. <laughs> but the Rockets are desperate for shooting, so he might get a chance to play. And if he actually proves some worth, he might work his way into the rotation if, you know, these are all ifs, but it's something to, to kind of keep an eye on because um, he is 6'5". He can play, you know, a decent wing for them and he can spread the floor and they, they really desperately need his services. So that's someone to look out for. But yeah, Garuba, I mean, I'm saying G League. I don't know what their actual plan is, but I, I know that he's not ready to play. And the way that they treated those minutes for guys like Garuba and Christopher in the preseason was in accordance with, you know, someone that's not going to play. And so do you want those guys just sitting on the bench as rookies or do you want them actually getting action against NBA guys, especially for someone like Garuba specifically, who like you can tell his learning curve right now is playing against NBA athletes um, on a, on a, you know, positions one through five are all capable of blowing by you at any given moment. He's still not used to that. He's still kind of getting blown by sometimes because he's just, you know, not, not used to that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I have one more question and we got to get wrapping up here pretty soon, but with all the Rockets first round picks that they have available, a lot, most of those, at least early on, are going to be in that lottery. If you were to put yourself in, in our shoes from a fantasy dynasty perspective, how much concern would you have for some of these young players moving forward, knowing that the Rockets have all these picks available? Is there any concern in, in buying stock in a player like KPJ, Tate, Christopher? Uh, do you have any concern with all these picks that they have uh, pointing towards the future? Yeah, I would. I would. Um, because there's so much uncertainty, you know, basically they're, they're, I don't want to call it gambling, but they are angling to pull off a rebuild with the talent they have right now. And then they have a treasure chest of picks that they could at any time use to go and grab somebody. Right. So you'd have to think a things have to work out, meaning their core has to actually be what they hope it is with the wrinkle that Christian Wood may or may not actually be a part of it. So I, I would have a ton of caution with Christian Wood, um, as far as the Rockets go, but I'm sure wherever they trade him. Basically, Christian Wood could be traded, I think, my opinion, to a contender where maybe he plays like a smaller role and doesn't produce at the same level statistically, um, but he's on a winning team, right? 
that kind of thing versus right now he's like a good player on a bad team. So he's going to just soak up all the stats and kind of be one of those workhorses. So I'd be, I'd be cautious there. Kevin Porter Jr. You're going to find out how they feel about him when his time for the, for an extension comes, which is soon. Um, I don't know exactly off the top of my head, but it's soon he's eligible. So depending on what they, how they approach that, you know, I'm guessing they're going to try to lock him up at one of those like friendly deals, like a four for 54 kind of thing, or a four for 80 or whatever, if they really believe in him. Um, instead of like full on maxing him. So I would look out for that. The only person that I am, the only two that I'm not worried about are Jalen Green and Shangun. I think Jalen Green, Shangun, and then to a lesser extent, Kevin Porter Jr. Cause I think they really do believe in him. I'm just leaving time and space open for him to not perform. Yeah, exactly. That tracks with way we've been thinking about this Rockets team, especially like we talk about it all the time with bad teams that have guys who are just getting an insane workload, like Christian Wood, like, you have to kind of hedge that a little bit because of the chance that he goes somewhere else and just doesn't have as big of a role. We've never seen him on a team that's any good. So we've never seen him execute in a role and produce in a role that would contribute to winning. So it's, I'm glad to hear that we're not far off as far as what this team could be, especially with some slight concern or just like a little bit of uh, just less optimism than what seems to be the case with a guy like Kevin Porter Jr. So Roosh, thank you so much for coming on here and talking about the Houston Rockets. I'm sure everybody gained a lot from this. I know we did so many young pieces on there that it's, it's going to be inconsistent. It's going to be up in the air, but still it's, it's great to hear that there's a lot going on in Houston. Like what, where can people find you and what do you have working on that we need to be sure to check out? Yeah. Well, I will say lastly, the flip side of the coin to everything that you summed up about our, what we think about this team, the flip side of that coin is that these guys pan out quicker than expected. And Jalen green's a superstar and Alperin Shangun is Jokic part dough or whatever, you know, I don't, I don't think the Jokic comparisons are correct for him by the way, but um, so that's the other side of the coin. But no, thank you for having me. Uh, I had a great time. Always love to come and talk some Rockets. If you ever need anything, let me know. Uh, you can find me. I pretty much exclusively am on Twitter. R-O-O-S-H Williams. Roosh Williams. Um, I have a podcast anywhere you get your podcast called The Noble and Roosh Show. N-O-B-L-E, like noble. Uh, use the and sign. Noble and Roosh Show. Uh, we interview NBA players, beat writers, journalists for teams, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then if you really want to follow the Rockets, go to YouTube and type in Rockets with Roosh and subscribe to my channel. Um, I just started doing like a YouTube thing where I talk about the Rockets two episodes deep only. So follow me and subscribe. And I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you very much. This was awesome. Go check out Roosh. He's got tons of stuff coming out. They have some really, really, really big guests on their show. It's just, it's just great stuff all the way around. Thank you very much. We will see you again next time. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.